Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, and thank you so much for the invite. Um, I'm going to invite you to turn with me, please, this morning to Jonah chapter 2. Now, I know that many of you are going to know this account. I just want to give some reflection on it this morning. The great Louis Armstrong, he wrote that I see trees of green and red roses too, and I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, right? But if we're honest with ourselves, this world isn't so wonderful, is it? Is it? I mean, honestly, the, first of all, the word, the word wonderful means full of wonder. And the only thing, honestly, that is wonderful is the Lord Jesus, right? This is your turn to say amen. The only thing that's wonderful is the Lord Jesus. There's times that I, I conference with parents and the, daughter, the mom comes in, isn't my daughter wonderful? No, she's not, you know? She's average at best. She's not wonderful. The only one who's wonderful is the Lord Jesus. But as we think to ourselves, what a wonderful world. This world is filled with so much, so much sorrow and so much conflict and so much um, issues that we can be overwhelmed so quickly. I don't know about you, but how quickly it is that I can just get overwhelmed with so much stuff. And when you look at some passages in God's word about what the, the, the godly men and women did, they cried out to the Lord. Now, some of them, honestly, they cried out to the Lord. And honestly, they, didn't, they weren't doing anything wrong. Later, for your homework assignment, look at Second Chronicles. You'll see Jehoshaphat praise to the Lord after a time of, of, of reconciliation with the people of Israel. He cleaned up the idolatry. He sets a godly example. He's going to get the shock of his life that there's armies that are marching against him 15 miles away, one day's march. Where are we going to go from here, Jehoshaphat? What are we going to do? He prays to the Lord. He prays to the Lord. But friends, honestly, there's times in our lives where we find ourselves in difficult situations because we say no to God. So I want to speak to believers. This is a message for those who know and love the Lord Jesus, who in their lives have said no. Jonah, the man who goes overboard, right? What does he do? God says, I want you to go. No, no. No, I said go. Yeah, I heard you. I'm saying no. I'm not going. As a matter of fact, I've had it with all of this. I am going to go in the totally opposite direction. And I'm going to do for me. And so he does. And so this chapter deals with the prayer of Jonah from a very unique place. I mean, we're talking about prayer meetings. We have a prayer meeting on Thursday morning. It's a wonderful prayer meeting that the men have, right? How does prayer meeting be in the belly of a fish? Jonah chapter 2. They're the words of Jonah. The man who said no. Right, the runaway man, the overboard man. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep. For you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and all your waves passed over me. 
Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters encompassed me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up my life. You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Now, this is a powerful, powerful talk, isn't it? It just is. You know, as a child, I love this account. And as I am rediscovering it as a grown-up, I realize, huh, not only is God going to save Nineveh, and we want to take a look at Nineveh in a minute. Not only is God going to save Nineveh, God's got to save his own prophet. He's got to save his own man. And praise God that he does that. Because God is not going to leave Jonah in the belly of a fish. He's not going to do that. God is going to be in a position to rescue Jonah. And praise God that he who has begun a good work in you and in me this morning, he's going to complete that work. He promised that. That's what he does. He restores people. Can I ask you this openly and honestly? Have you felt the forgiveness of the Lord, the restoration of the Lord? You know, because honestly, friends, we think a lot differently than the way that the Lord thinks. You know, Peter in the, in, in the great account goes out on the night, on the night that the Lord Jesus is going to need him the most, right? And he's going to deny the Lord Jesus to a little girl with profanity. And when Jesus is raised from the dead, he says, go tell my apostles and uh, go and tell Peter. And when Peter gets that message, I'm sure of it. He says, oh, yeah, right. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he's raised from the dead. You know what, guys? I'm going fishing. I'm going this way because Jesus of Nazareth, quite frankly, doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. Because when, when I was an apostle, when I really needed to go be there for him, I, I, I'm going fishing, fellas. I'm going back to my old occupation. And they all go with Peter. Peter doesn't know the grace of the Lord. He's going to find it again. I want you to know how beautiful the grace of the Lord is, is that he restores believers. He restores believers who, are, who, who run. Maybe you can appreciate that in your life. You know, friends, even, even when we had the opportunity to give thanks for the bread and the cup, right? What does it say? It says, as you eat this bread and as you take this cup, you do it in a worthy manner unto the Lord, right? Let a man, let a woman, let, let a person examine themselves. Oh, man, that's heavy, Paul says. Examine myself, Lord. I'm not worthy for this. Uh, there's no way if I examine myself, what I was doing yesterday, 
let a person examine himself. And what's the next phrase? And so let him eat. So let him eat. The Lord says, come and dine. Come and dine. I know all about your yesterdays. I know all about your tomorrows. Let a person examine themselves and so let them eat. Jonah's going to cry out from the belly of the fish. Jonah is, is the man who says no. Just turn with me, if you could, for a moment over to Nahum for a moment, chapter three, because Nahum gives us the description of Nineveh, right? Jonah doesn't want to do this. He says no to this. You know, friends, there's, there's a lot of Jonah, I think, that's in me. And if you're honest with yourself, there could be a lot of Jonah that's in you. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. You know? And so I, I, I'm walking around town and I, 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 I don't know, you know. I guess that there's a, there's a judgmental heart that I have to people who have all of these piercings all over their bodies and tatted up all over their bodies. And, and what, I'm supposed to be a good and godly example to people? I mean, just think in their, in God's grace, if I shared the Lord with this person, I mean, they might actually get saved. I mean, just think of that. And then they might even just start coming here. I mean, really? Is this really? And then, and then, and then, you know, what's going to happen inevitably, inevitably, they're going to fall in love with my son. No, 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 I'm not doing it. Is that hard? Does that heart live inside of you too? I'm not doing it, God. I'm going to go this way. What does Jonah say no to? Nahum chapter three, woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. Its victims never depart. The noise of a whip, the noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots, horsemen charged with bright swords and glittering spears. There's a multitude of slain, a great multitude of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over corpses because of the multitudes of harlotries and seductive harlots. The mistress of sorceries who sells nations through her harlotries and families through her sorceries. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I will lift your skirt over your face. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. I will cast abomination filth upon you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. And it shall come to pass that all who look upon you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is laid waste. This is God's reflection of Nineveh, you know? And so as I'm reading this, I would like, you're right, man. Just Let's just blow up Nineveh. I agree. I agree. But God in his grace... He's going to have the opportunity to send his prophet, his prophet who doesn't want to go, and his prophet who ultimately says no. This prayer of Jonah is approaching God, and that's what prayer is. It's approaching God. We approach God in prayer conversationally. I want you to know that when we pray, it's not meditation of deep breathing. Prayer is not getting things off of my chest. Prayer is not just some special place in some special season. 
It is a natural thing for the believer to make their petitions unto God, to cast our cares upon God. But it is also a natural thing for us to praise the Lord for the wonder that he is doing in our lives and for the wonder that we see that is all around. Friends, when we pray, we come to appreciate who this Jesus of Nazareth is. We come to appreciate his beauty and appreciate his glory. And the Bible teaches us that we are changed from a lower level of glory to a higher level of glory when we gaze upon the Lord of glory. And when we gaze upon the Lord of glory, we do that during prayer. So why don't we do that more? Why don't I do that more? You know, we sing, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. I need that in order to get through the the difficulties of the day. When I'm driving or working or walking, I want to enjoy the Lord and be in conversation with the Lord and casting my care for sure, but also sharing praise with the Lord. Okay, Jonah is crying out because he's in a crisis situation. And we do that too. Jonah's crying out from a fish. Again, a strange place to have a prayer meeting. And I want you to look so much at the predicament of Jonah, but look at the provision of God. What, not what Jonah has done, but what is God going to do? Because ultimately salvation belongs to the Lord. And Jonah is going to end up on dry ground because ultimately of the grace of God. So let's just take a look at verse two. He says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me, right? Jonah says, I was in this water. I was over my head. I was, I had seaweed wrapped around my head. I cried out to the Lord, the God that I ran from. And this God that I ran from, he heard me. Can I tell you this? There's some of you this morning and I've lived long enough to know this, you're over your head. You're over your head with something, with debt, with relations, relationships. You're over your head with with physical things and with stress. Jonah's crying out to the Lord, and he knows that the Lord is going to hear him and that the Lord is going to answer him. We can all connect to Jonah because of this. Right. God's going to complete the work in Jonah. There's not a doubt in my mind that when that captain comes down those stairs, he's asleep, right? You know, he's asleep. The captain is saying, look, we're going down with the ship here. Everyone pray to your God. And Jonah, what does he do? He gets up. And he, he, um, he says, oh, you, you, you want me to pray to the God that at the moment I'm not exactly talking to right now? Can you connect to that? You know, I don't know about you, but, but my Christian life has not all the time been birthday candles and, 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 and cotton candy. And there's been plenty of times that I'm not exactly making godly choices or as we coined the phrase, walking with the Lord. And I, I recall one of these instances at school and this teacher comes in early in the morning and she shuts the door 
You have a minute? Sure. There's something that's that I want to share with you. She said, I'm afraid because the doctor said I got this cancer. And John, I, I, I know you're a religious person and I just thought, well, oh, I get it. You want me to pray to the God at the moment that I'm not exactly talking to. Can you connect to that at all? Sort of living the way you want to live, going where you want to go, doing what you want to do, being in charge of it all, all the time. Well, if you can, then you're not so far from where Jonah is. And there's lots of examples in God's word. That young man, that prodigal runs out of the presence of his father. He goes on the long journey. He's not coming back. He takes all his things. And where is he? He's feeding pigs. You know, he, his father is a rich man. He's feeding pigs. And yet God is going to restore this lost son. And so metaphorically, can you say there's been plenty of times that I've been in the pig's pen. Or there's plenty of times that I've been in the, the fish's belly. It's a place God doesn't really want me to be. You know, the New Testament, the verse that I got wrong was this verse when the Apostle Paul says this. He says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man or a woman, whatever, whatever a man sows, that's what he will reap. He says that to believers. Whatever I sow, that's what I'm going to reap. If I sow to the flesh, I am going to reap corruption and a lot of sorrow. If I sow to the spirit, then I will reap abundant life. I will walk according to the spirit and reap abundant life here. The Lord Jesus promised that. I've come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Will you walk in the spirit? Will you not fulfill the lust of the flesh? If you sow apples, you get apple trees. And if you sow orange seeds, you get orange trees. You do not sow apple seeds and get oranges. I cannot sow to the flesh and please God. That verse is written to believers. It's written to me and it's written to you. And so we think of how Jonah cries out. He says, I cried to the Lord. Why didn't, why didn't you cry to the Lord when you were in the, in the vessel, Jonah? Because he was asleep. He wasn't exactly talking to the Lord then. But here he says, I cried out to the Lord. God brought me to a point where I needed to turn to him. Maybe God's doing that in your life. Maybe God's got to do that in my life. He's got to bring me to a point where I can turn to him. He's got to take things away that I love so that ultimately I can just turn to him. Now, Jonah's doing this out of disobedience. So we got to be honest about this. Every child that the Lord receives, he's going to prune and pruning hurts. But Jonah is being pruned because of disobedience. He's running. He's far. But God's not done with him yet. God's not done with him yet. Verse 3. 
It says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All of your billows. See how personal this is? You cast me. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that the sailors cast Jonah overboard? (laughs) Not a chance. Not a chance. God is using those sailors. He's sovereign. Not a chance. God is going to use the sailors not to hurt Jonah, but to rescue Jonah. God's on a rescue mission for Jonah, rescuing him from his rebellion and his pride and in his attitude. Take a look, if you would, for a moment, where he says in verse four, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again towards your, towards your holy temple. I have been cast out of your sight. I mean, friends, that's heavy. I've been banished from the sight of God. I mean, just sort of let that sink in for a moment. I'm banished from the sight of God. What is that? It's hell. I'm banished from the sight of God. Jonah can say that. You know, some friends of mine can say, well, you know, what's the big deal? I, I don't really feel the terror of God. I, I don't really see the terror of God. Of course not. It's because you don't know God. You don't know who he is. You've never been in his presence. You've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But Jonah did taste and see that the Lord is good. And I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And it is a heart's desire that I wouldn't run in my flesh. And that I wouldn't run in my pride. Or I wouldn't run in my arrogance. But that I would have the heart to say, Lord, this isn't really my will. Right? That's not wrong either. It's not really my will, Lord. But if this is where you want me to go, if this is according to your word, how you want me to raise my kids, according to your word, if this is how you want me to run my marriage, Lord, according to your word, if this is how you want me to be a steward of this money, I'm going to do it. I'm going to submit to you. Friends, that's got to be the hardest thing. People can say, what's the hardest thing that you've ever done? before I took the CPA exam. John, this is the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do in your life. Can I tell you that? It's really not. It really is not the hardest thing. The hardest thing is surrendering. Surrendering this, this army. Surrendering this desire. Surrendering this throne. And saying, Lord, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be for me. It's going to be for you, Lord. You know, let me do it for you, Lord. That's the hardest thing. While I live in this flesh, to be able to say, Lord, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it's not my desire. But I want to do this out of obedience to you. I want to do this out of obedience to you. I've been banished from your sight. See, he saw it. He was so convicted. That's such a beautiful thing, conviction, isn't it? Lord, I'm convicted about these things that I'm doing in my life. I don't want to do these things anymore. I pray that God would convict us of things that need to change in our lives. Jonah's convicted. Now he's in the fish's belly. 
That young man was convicted. He said, I don't want to feed pigs anymore. What a beautiful thing it is when a believer is convicted. You know something in that story of the prodigal son, the father looks every day for his son. But can I tell you this honestly? The father does not go to the pig's pen. The father does not send his son like comfort. He waits for the son to come to himself. And that's what God does to me. He waits for me to come to myself. Believers return to the Lord. They do. Believers return to the Lord. God's not done with Jonah. And he says this. He says, I've been cast out of your sight. He's being honest. And he understands how, how far he really is. And I want you to notice this. He says to him, the waters encompass me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the mooring, moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Friends, you're not supposed to come back from a place like this. You're not supposed to come back from bars closing behind you forever. God is going to raise Jonah. I'll tell you another place that you're not supposed to come back from. You're not supposed to in the Old Testament. You're not supposed to come back from the king's prison. Once you get thrown into the king's prison like Joseph did, you're not supposed to come out of that king's prison. And in the New Testament, the Bible speaks of an obedient man, an obedient man who did nothing wrong and who cried out in Psalm chapter 22, we read his words that you have brought me to the dust of death. You're not supposed to come back from death. You're not supposed to come back. But God raised Jesus of Nazareth from the dead. And praise God this morning that he did that. Because ultimately what that means for you and me is, is that God is not angry at you or me anymore. All of the waves and billows of the judgment of God passed over that obedient servant. All of God's judgment was laid upon him. How do I know that it was enough? Because God raised him from the dead. And God's not angry anymore at you or me because Jesus paid it all. He did it. So Jonah cries out, the earth with its bars, verse six, closed behind me forever. Yet you, right? He's not saying me. He's not saying my credentials or, or, or none of those things. You have brought me up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, you have done this. Friends, this chapter, it speaks to the believer, the running believer, the backslidden believer. Because we can see the power of sin in our lives. And we understand what it's like to ride the, 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 the escalator of sin in our lives, as it were. Jonah, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. This isn't really where God wants you. And so he turns to the Lord. He's really just a prayer away. And he says in verse seven, he says, I remembered the Lord. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. 
I remembered the Lord. That's powerful to me this morning. I remembered the Lord. Because I know that my flesh is, is failing. I know that, that our money is fleeting. I know that our country is in terrible harm. Lord, where are we supposed to go? The apostle Peter said. You have the words of everlasting life. Right? Jesus said to his friends, when he saw that, that many of the crowds departed, they weren't going to follow the Lord Jesus. It's not because they didn't understand his words. They did understand his words. It's because what he was saying was too hard to do. And so he turned to them, his, his 12. And he said, are you going to leave also? Will you go also? And Peter said, to whom shall we go, Lord? Because it is only you who have the words of everlasting life. Lord, where am I supposed to go? If it's not you, then what is it? Or who is it? And the great quest continues in our lives. Jonah says, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. My friends, the Lord is very close from this kind of heart. A heart that is humbled and a heart that is broken. He's very close. He's very close. I glory in tribulation, the apostle says. He doesn't enjoy it. He says, I glory in it. Why? Because I know I'm going to have to lean on, on the Lord. I know I'm going to pour out my heart before the Lord. I remember the Lord. And my prayer went up to you. My prayer went up to you. You, Lord, brought me up from the pit. You brought me up from the pit. We bless the Lord and we forget not his benefits. What are, the, what are those benefits? He heals all your diseases and he forgives all of your sins and he separates your iniquity as far as the east is from the west. You are the one, Lord, who brought me up from the pit. I don't want to forget your benefits, Lord. You know, when you you go for a job interview. They, you ask about the benefits. What are they? You know, what, 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 what is the health insurance here? And, and how many days vacation am I going to get? And what is the, the pension plan formula here? <laughs> the benefits. Think of the benefits of belonging to the Lord Jesus this morning. Think of the benefits. And how gracious he is. That when we fall. Or when we run, he's the God who restores. He's the God who restores. You brought me up from the pit. God intervenes. It's God who's come up. In that first chapter, we read like three different times that Jonah goes down the job and down into the ship, right? Down, down, down. It's God who's going to bring him up. It's God who's going to raise him. We think about that, that hymn that the songwriter sings. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me. 
Now safe am I. Friends, are you safe this morning? Are you in a safe place? We talk, That's a big word today in the public school, safe space. Are you in a safe space today? If you know and love the Lord Jesus, you're in a safe space. And if you're walking with the Lord Jesus, you're in a strong place. You're in a strong place. So people think of this story of Jonah, you know. They don't even know if it's a real account or if it's just some sort of like story time. Did it really happen or is it just sort of some story? How God saves this prophet out of the fish. Come on. Am I really supposed to believe this? I'm going to ask you, what is it that they say about me? And what is it that they say about you? How did you get out of trouble? It was because there was a Galilean carpenter who went to a cross. And he went to the cross and he didn't come down until it was finished. And the Bible teaches us that there's no other name given amongst men under heaven except his name. There is no other name. There isn't, salvation is found in no other person except for the Savior. Except for the Savior. Now, friends, Jonah learned that. Did he learn it the hard way? Yes. Am I thankful he learned it the hard way? I am. Because I'm able I'm able to make those connections to Jonah too. And I'm thankful that this gracious God did not close the door on Jonah. And I'm thankful that he hasn't closed the door on you or me today. That is far away from the presence of God that we run, that he is pursuing and that his care and his grace and his love abides. It abides. Praise the Lord this morning. So, as we have the opportunity to move forward, I, I appreciate the, the personality of Jonah. He's going he's gonna to be vomited out of this fish. He's going to look a lot different. I'll tell you this. If you come to Christ, you're going to look a lot different. Jonah is going to be vomited out of this fish. And he is going to have the opportunity to go to this place. That he didn't want to. And God is going to use him in a mighty, mighty way. Is there still some of the old Jonah? Yes, you're going to explore that as this account unfolds a little deeper. But Jonah's a changed heart here. He's a changed heart. And it would be my prayer that today and that this week, we could get along with God. And we could thank him that he's a gracious God. And we could thank him for the benefits that we enjoy because we belong to him. And we could pray that this week that we would walk closely with him and that we wouldn't love the world and that we wouldn't be drawn to things that our flesh draws us to, but that we would be content with the position that we have, which is an awesome position that we have in Christ. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for your lovely son. Your word teaches us that he is holy and harmless and undefiled and separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. We thank you so much that he came here on this great rescue mission so that we could be called the sons and daughters of the living God. 
thank you, God, that you rescued Nineveh and that you rescued Jonah. And thank you, God, that you rescue us from our folly and our foolishness. And I pray that hearts here, that my heart would come to appreciate and understand your grace, your grace. We ask these things in your good name. Amen.